0: Today is the 8th day of January. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. And welcome to week 2. We have completed our first full week of this year. And our first full week moving through the scriptures together day by day and step by step. So here we are at the threshold of a brand new shiny sparkly week and we walk into this week together and I'll say it many many times as we come to the beginning of a new week this is a fresh start we're still just starting our year and so we've got a fresh start in the year but this is a fresh start a brand new week week number two which means we have a reset we can regroup we can move forward Together And so let's do just that. We will read from the New International Version this week. And obviously, picking up right where we left off yesterday, leads us back into the story of Abraham in the book of Genesis. Abraham and his wife Sarah have been promised to have a son. A promised son. only problem is that... Like... Abraham's 99 years old and Sarah's like pushing 90. And so it seems like unlikely that they're going to have a kid. But who knows, maybe they will. We'll get to that soon enough. We've got a little drama that precedes that. So let's dive in. Genesis chapter 18, verse 16 through 19, verse 38 today. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The man turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are fifty righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the fifty righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find fifty righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find forty-five there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him, What if only forty are found there? He said, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only thirty can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. Abraham said, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only twenty can be found there? He said, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. "'My lords,' he said, "'please turn aside to your servant's house. "'You can wash your feet and spend the night "'and then go on your way early in the morning.' "'No,' they answered, "'we will spend the night in the square.' "'But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. "'He prepared a meal for them, "'baking bread without yeast, and they ate.' Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends. Don't do this wicked thing. Look. Look. I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on La and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with a blindness so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to and it is small. Let me flee to it." Very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to them, Very well. I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zoar. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man around here to give us children, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then sleep with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night they got their father to drink wine and the older daughter went in and slept with him. He was not aware of it when she laid down or when she got up. The next day the older daughter said to the younger, Last night I slept with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight and you go in and sleep with him, so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went in and slept with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. Matthew 6:25 through 7, 14. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge or you too when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gates, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gates, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Psalm 8. For the director of music, according to Gitith, a psalm of David Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them, You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Proverbs: 2 6 through 15. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then he will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Okay, so like yesterday, we have some very poignant things going on in the Gospel of Matthew coming from the lips of Jesus that we cannot possibly ignore. And uh, right here at the beginning of the year, we need to observe what they are and incorporate them into our lives and simply watch what it might look like if we obey. But... Before we can get to that, we need to go back into the book of Genesis because we encountered a story today that probably left most of us going wait a second here. what is going on? So we had the story of of Abraham discussing with the Lord the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and kind of negotiating. Really, really interesting. Really, if there are 50 people there, will you still destroy it? No, if there are 50, I won't. Well, what about five less? Then I won't if there's 45. Well, what about 30? It's really, really interesting to watch a human being, Abraham, talking to God. And they're talking back and forth. Abraham's looking for this clarity and he's negotiating the number down. He gets it down to 10. I'm not really sure why he doesn't like continue to go down to one or whatever. Maybe because 10 people is lots household that he knows of. And he's just making sure that his own family that's living down in the Jordan Valley will be saved. Nevertheless, there's this conversation that is taking place between God and Abraham. And God assures Abraham, look, I'm not going down there to indiscriminate. Permanently do anything. I'm going to check things out. And if there's righteousness there, then we'll find it. And if there's only evil there, then we're going to do away with evil. Because evil is destroying creation. So this all takes place and we find ourselves down in uh, Sodom. The angels go home with Lots. They're surrounded by the men of the village. They want to have sex with the angels, although they don't know that they are angels. And it's pretty clear that the Lord is going to bring destruction. So they spirit Lot away. They're running for their lives. The girls have been offered up to the mob, so they're running away, wondering about their value, although we're in an extraordinarily patriarchal culture at this time. Their fiancés have stayed behind and are now dead. Their mom is running with them, but she looks back, and then she's gone. And so all that's left are these two daughters and their dad, and they're holed up in a cave. And the daughters decide to sleep with their father to see if they could become pregnant by their father to continue their family line. We see a story like this in the Bible, at least it's been my personal experience, see a story like this in the Bible and go, what in the world? What is this doing in the Bible? And the immediate judgment is like against God. Ironically, like stories that are disruptive in the Bible that make us go, wait a minute, what? What is going on here? They're doing what they're supposed to do. That's what the narrative is supposed to do. We're supposed to be unsettled. And then we're supposed to enter in and wrestle with and observe and look at what's going on in this story. So it's so funny how we can read a story in the Bible and then blame God for everything. When if we look at this story, God didn't do any of this. He went to destroy evil, but he did not enter the minds of the daughters and tell them to have sex with their father and see if they could get pregnant. There's just this entire cultural context going on here that reveals to us that these girls this isn't like they weren't like yes a romantic night with dad right like anybody they were in a situation where the only way seems to be the wrong way like there's no good choices here they are foreign women They had been betrothed. They are no longer engaged. Their mom is gone. Their father is aging. They are foreigners. And in this culture, there needs to be a man to claim them, to continue the family line so that the women will be spoken for and protected. And like there's no way for this to happen. They've lost everything. Like their dad, who had once been wealthy, is living in a cave with his daughters. They lost everything in this. And so he can't buy his way out of stuff. And he's he's not going to be able to defend himself if they're like moving through the mountains or they're moving through the plains and they're just trying to stay low to the ground. But people come upon them and here's, Two beautiful girls and their dad. Pretty easy to take the dad out and steal the girls. Like, they really don't have a lot of options. Could they flee to their ancestral homeland? Could they go back to wherever their family is? Could they get there by themselves? Probably not. They're gonna get captured along the way. And what will be the outcome? Very likely they'll be human trafficked. Very likely. They'll be prostitutes. And so they make the choices that they make, believing that this is the only choice that they have. Why they didn't flee back to Abraham, we we don't know. What we do know is from the text... There, there were no angels that appeared to Lot and his daughters suggesting that the Lord Almighty had put them in the cave because it was his will that they could do this. There were no instructions about any of this from the mouth of God commanding or inviting any of this. These were the choices that were made and this is what happened because of those choices. And we can often blame God for the choices that we make as well when he had nothing to do with what we decided to do. But if we go back a few days and remember Abraham and Lot standing on top of Lookout and Abraham telling Lot, you pick where you want to go and I'll go in the opposite direction. Lot chooses selfishly Abraham remains steadfast and the stories play out, which invites us to wrestle with our own lives. The choices that we make are leading somewhere. We will end up somewhere. Do we want to end up somewhere where the only way is the wrong way? Or might we consider being steadfast and believing in the promise Then we flip over into the gospel of Matthew and Jesus begins by telling us that essentially we're spending more time worrying than is necessary. And we're worrying and anxious about things that God is already aware of. And then he's kind of giving us the remedy, seek first the kingdom of God seek first like before your worry and anxiety before all of that first seek God's kingdom and the righteousness of God do that first and all these things will be given to you as well don't worry about tomorrow it'll take care of itself what an invitation like that's what Jesus is suggesting that we do What if we do that this week? What if before the anxiety and before uh, the sleepless nights, what if we first seek God's kingdom and his righteousness? Like, what's the downside to trying it this week? But while we're doing some trying, Jesus said something very poignant. Yesterday, we're talking about Jesus right after the Lord's Prayer telling us that forgiveness is not an option in God's kingdom. it's it's like the the way of God's kingdom, and that we need to have that as a category and begin to think about that. Jesus tells us additional information today. And I quote, "Do not judge." or you, too, will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That is pretty big and a very important piece of information to know on our faith journey. That we are setting the bar for our own judgment by the way that we choose to judge others. Like, that is something to ponder. And so, you can head right back into Matthew chapter 7 and wrestle with it yourself Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And then Jesus goes on to talk about specks and planks being in eyes. Why are you trying to take the speck out of somebody else's eye when you've got a log in your own eye? Get the log out of your own eye, and then you can help the other other brother or sister get the speck out of their own eye. That's his... Illustration for what he's saying about judging. And we could parse this and have all kinds of debate about what it actually means to judge. Like, what are we actually talking about here? Well, each of us should wrestle with that in our own lives. What does that mean to us? What does that mean to the way we conduct ourselves? What is the Holy Spirit leading us to become aware of? Because if Jesus is telling the truth, and I believe he's telling the truth, like our lives as Christians are centered around this person. Like this is the one who came to rescue us. He didn't come here to like lay down the commands. He came here to show us what freedom might look like, how we might live in such a way that will bring us freedom and how backward we actually live to the way we were intended to live. It's really easy for us to get judgy. It's really, really easy to watch people do things differently than we would do them and have an opinion. And it can be big, and it can be small, but we do it all the time. And what is it actually doing? Like, aren't we just continually trying to create comparisons that let us feel superior? And is any of that real? Like, Do we have any say in any of it? What we've been given control over is ourselves. Can we even handle that? Why do we think we can handle everybody else's life? And why do we think we have to have an opinion about everything? And why do we think we have to post every opinion about everything all of the time in such highly judgmental ways? I guess Here we are in week two, and we're going to find that we learn a lot in the Bible about a lot of things, but the Bible is going to be relentless about confronting us in certain areas because they will lead us into bondage if we cannot understand what's going on. And so let's wrestle with it as we move through this week. And Holy Spirit, we invite you wrestling with these things and trying to improve ourselves in our own strength by brute force. We have tried and failed and tried and failed. And so we will only fail at any of these things without you coming and revealing things to us and transforming us from within. And we're getting a good picture from Jesus that we spend an awful lot of time on our exterior lives and most of our energy when we're ignoring what is true. Life from within. So, Holy Spirit, come. Help us with the way that we carry around unforgiveness. Help us with the way that We can be so judgmental toward each other. Help us to understand that we're setting, we're setting the bar for our own selves. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Good morning, Dabbers. This message is especially for God's chosen and child. Thank you for putting a smile on my face and joy in my heart as I started my day today. I call myself the Potter's Clay, and I'm the mother of a 31-year-old, medically fragile, and totally dependent daughter. Your worship and song gave me the energy and encouragement I needed to start my day. God bless you, and God bless that precious little girl of yours. Thanks again.
2: Hey,
0: this is Sean around here. I'm from Nicaragua, okay? Rufus, Nicaragua. I just want to shout out. I've been hearing the daily Outdoor of the Bible for a year for now, and I've seen God work in my life. I uh, just want to thank you, Brian, for always being there and just keep up the good work, man. We just thank you, Lord, for Brian and his family, that he may keep doing the will of the Lord, helping in, in in the area where you want him to do. Bless him, Lord. Bless his heart, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
3: Hi, my friends, my sisters and brothers in the Lord. I am um, sitting in my living room my youngest girl is watching a cartoon. And I just... Um, listen to uh, the daily Bible reading. And this is just my day number two and I'm totally new uh, in this, uh, yeah, I just downloaded the app uh, just before new year. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm amazed by the it just by this app but this community is amazing and um, be able to send prayer requests and be able to pray for other people and, and i just want to say that and just like we're told every day here that we are loved and i want to say that i i love you as well, and I want, i'm praying for all of you here and and really hope that you will have a wonderful year and then Especially those of you who struggle with depression, and illness, and yeah, that God may lift you out of it, or yeah, definitely that He will He will strengthen you while you're in it. And I asked people to pray for me yesterday because I have had depression before and and I felt it a, a little bit again now uh, this last half year and. It really helped that you prayed for me. I can feel a difference today and I feel more at peace. So that's wonderful. So praise the Lord and thank you. Happy new year to all of you. Hello, I'm Hudson. My brother has diabetes and it's been tough for him. I need your prayers, please. I'm Hudson. We'll
2: be I'd like to give a praise report. Uh, thank you, Brian and family. And yeah, he's uh, oh, what a blessing! You've uh, really really helped me beyond what words can say. Uh, of dyslexia, so I can read, but I really struggle around it. So, uh, twofold when. COVID first came here uh, in the UK I, uh, I was in a bad way after that first lockdown um, and it was only listening to this and people asking for prayer that I actually snapped me out of it because I realised it's not just me uh, I've got four children who don't want to know me so I've been on my own for years uh, and it can be a horrible place at times Anyway, uh, thank you, um, what happened was I had a lung infection and uh, I couldn't breathe, I really thought my time had come, uh, I had the ambulance help uh, Christmas day and they just said, did tests and we we would like to take you in but you might catch something worse in the hospital. I thought you can't get any worse than not being able to breathe. Anyway, I put it on the prayer wall. And within a couple of hours, I put it on the prayer wall. Um, people prayed for me. And it lifted. Absolutely lifted. So thank you. And I really do appreciate it. God bless you all and keep you all safe. Amen.
1: Hello, Daily Audio Bible family. This is Shantae calling from the Treasure Coast of Florida. And there was a call from uh, John 316 today that just had me in tears in in a therapeutic way, let's put it that way. Because um, I believe, at least for myself for sure, I am still grieving on the loss of Pelham. Um, You know, it was just all so sudden for us and... I just, I just so related to his call. It's like, like he said, he he did it. He felt like he did it. Really convey to him how much he meant to him. Um, and I feel that way too. I was even Facebook friends with him, and I, you know, I didn't really chat with him that much, like like I could have, you know. Um, but I, I know, I know he knows how much we all cared for him. I just, I just know that, and. You know we're a family, and you can't you can't fake this. You, you just can't. It's just I, I remember the first time when I heard um, Brian, and and he, you know did did he read the Bible, and at the end he said, "I love you." Now thinking to myself, I was like, "Well, that's a little okay." Uh, you know, it's my first time listening, and I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, whatever." <laughs> I mean, I am feeling that, but but as i continue to listen and listen and listen that feeling that overwhelms me of love for this community of love for brian of love for what we have here and um yeah it's it's no denying it so i'm just grateful i'm grateful for each and every one of you and uh, most of my calls i end with i love you because i i truly feel that and um And yes, we will will definitely miss Helen, praise God, praise God, he's with Jesus right now. But it was, it was just awful, sudden, it really was. But um, God's timing, is his timing, it's perfect, and he has...